On today's show, the return of defensive football in week one and words of wisdom from Nick Saban about how football games are won in present day. Before we get there, I will give you one reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. My first pick of the week, Tuesday, September 7th, we are going with the Ohio State Buckeyes minus 14 against the Oregon Ducks on Saturday. Now, this abides by one of the rules of college football gambling that I learned this Labor Day weekend. Fade the Pac-12 North because there is a very good chance that the entire division is hot, messy, stinky garbage. Oregon barely ekes out a win against Fresno State in the process. Kayvon Thibodeau gets injured. Who knows what his status is for the Ohio State game? That's problematic. On top of that, Washington upset by Montana. Washington State upset by Utah State. Oregon State, they get boilered out of the field by Purdue. Cal loses to Nevada and Stanford gets pounded on by Kansas State. The entire division was going up in flames. And now the only team that won has to go and play at the horseshoe on Saturday. On the opposite side, it doesn't hurt to trust in this Ohio State offense to score a ton of points and cover a two-touchdown spread. It seems like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they're going to score an 80-yard touchdown every quarter. That's why we're going with Ohio State minus 14. That's why we have our reason why gambling should be legal everywhere. So you can bet against the ability of West Coast teams to play normal football. And now, Sports with Chris Rawl. College football has returned. And along with it, hopefully, the art of playing defense. Now, you must understand something about me. Everybody has a preference in how they like to watch football. Some people like to watch points scored. Some people like to watch a rushing attack or throwing it around. Some people like to watch kickers. They're sick individuals. I don't know what to say about them, but some people do. I am a person who loves defensive football, a well-played defensive football game. And I'm not talking about two putrid offenses going against one another. I'm talking about two quality defenses, styming everything that an offense can put in front of them. That is my favorite brand of football. It's what I love, okay? We are obviously in a phase of offensive football, the most offensive of football in the history of the game, collegiately and professionally. Um, And last year in the college game, it was absolutely glaring. And there's a moment that the switch kind of came on for me. And I knew that things were going to be wonky within a COVID year, And that really that was going to affect the way that offenses played versus defenses. September 8th, 2020. BYU is going against Navy. Empty stadium in Annapolis. I'm fired up because football's back. We're going through the pandemic. We haven't had a lot of sports. And I just need anything back in my life that resembles the normal sports schedule. So the game starts and pretty soon out of the gate, the announcers are talking about how Navy, they haven't practiced tackling and they have, they've had a lot of weird practice scheduling with COVID and all that kind of stuff. And BYU's just running against them at will. They end up winning 55 to three. And it looked like Navy's defense had not only never practiced tackling, they had no scheme and they'd never practiced playing defense in their entire lives. So that game finished and I went, hopefully this is a one-off and not what it turned out to be which was the entire college football season in 2020. Offenses seemed like they were about three steps ahead of defenses. Maybe it was COVID and that practice schedule that I'm talking about. 
the inability of defenses to kind of build up that cohesion that is really needed on that side of the ball. Maybe it's because they were limited in those summer drills and spring drills because of COVID, because of the pandemic. Um, and maybe it's simply because offense rules the day in present day. Rule changes, just the schemes in general, they're cutting edge. And there's not maybe a damn thing that anybody can do about it. Maybe it's a combination of all those things. So last season ends pretty fittingly with Alabama dunking on Ohio State in the national title game to cap off one of, if not the greatest offensive seasons in the history of college football. Now, this is one year after Joe Burrow and LSU dunk on Clemson in the national title game to cap off one of, if not the best offensive seasons in the history of college football. You get the picture. We're in a time where offense is jumping off the page in a way that is not comparable to anything that has come before it. So that is happening. At the same time, me, person who loves defensive football, I believe that football at its best is a blend of incredible offenses and incredible defenses. And on any given day, one of those can beat the other thing. So now we walk into Labor Day weekend, just barely. Smorgasbord of football. It was so good to have it back. I can't even describe it. I won't talk about it more because I'll probably break down crying on air. However, the 2021 season, it begins in earnest over Labor Day weekend. There was a great reminder built into a lot of these games. Playing defense, it is very possible. It starts with Penn State, Wisconsin. Penn State, they end up eking out a 16-10 to 10 win. It's 0-0 at halftime. Wisconsin somehow runs 95 plays and only scores 10 points. A lot of high-level stuff from both defenses. Uh, some low-level stuff, unfortunately, from that Wisconsin offense and from Graham Mertz. Penn State ends up picking him off twice in the last four minutes to seal the deal. But it was refreshing in the context of what Every game I watched last year seemed to be offensive shootout, 55 to 45, go, 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 go. It was a very different brand of football. Into the 130 slot, Iowa and Indiana. Iowa ends up dunking on Indiana, 34 to 6 is the final. Iowa has two pick sixes in the first half. Their defense picks up right where it left off down the stretch last year when Iowa was playing awesome football to close that season. It led into the game of the day. Georgia and Clemson, which I talked about last week and how excited I was. It's two of the five teams that matter. It's two of the teams that have recruited significantly better than everybody else, except for Alabama and Ohio State and Oklahoma. Those are the five. The chosen five. Two of them are playing on Labor Day weekend night. Saturday? Yeah, give it to me. Um, alongside this, you have over two-thirds of FBS games played over the weekend. Over two-thirds of FBS versus FBS teams, they go under the gambling total. So you see a picture. Defense is being played. In context of gambling lines and what Vegas was expecting, significantly under that expectation. So the game of the day, Georgia and Clemson. Turns into this defensive slugfest. Georgia comes out on top 10-3. to It ends without an offensive touchdown being scored. Kind of an ode to a past brand of football. I'm very into it because, again... That defensive flavor of football really appeals to me. And I'm also getting that feeling. Okay, playing defense is possible. I want that blend. High-level offenses, we got those everywhere. Some high-level defenses that can maybe negate what they're doing. Yes, I'm definitely into that. Uh, the only touchdown that scored in the game, it's a second-quarter pick six by Georgia. That's the difference in the game. 
Okay. And the storyline coming out of the game is the Georgia Bulldogs defense creating havoc. Nearly unlimited havoc in the course of that game. Now, this team has had a great defense for years under Kirby Smart. But they've also lacked that high-level havoc-creating gene. The game-changing turnovers and sacks and tackles for loss, all that kind of stuff. Um, Saturday, no problem there. The aforementioned pick six, that decides the game. They have seven sacks in total from six different players, all of whom were former five-star recruits. Kind of a testament to that talent reservoir that Kirby Smart has built up with the Georgia program. They hold Clemson to 180 total yards. Truly unbelievable when you understand Clemson's place within college football hierarchy, and especially the place that their offense has really dwelt in over the last decade, right, right, right at the very top of the list. So Georgia's defense, it seems like they're living in Clemson's backfield all night long. I want to read a couple things. The first is a tweet from Todd Furman. Clemson's offense by the numbers yesterday. 29% success rate on standard downs. That's 1.94 yards per play. A 17% sack rate allowed on passing downs. A 19% success rate on running plays. Only 26% of available yards gained and three yards per play on average. And then this from Bill Conley of ESPN. The Clemson Tigers hadn't been held under 5.4 yards per play or 21 points in 42 games. And they managed just 3.0 and 3, respectively, in Charlotte. End quote. So again, you get the picture here. Uh, Clemson is a team that has recruited as well as virtually anybody. They've had an offense that has blown the doors off of everybody for years and years and years and years. Georgia comes in to this game in Charlotte, North Carolina, and their defense dominates against this team that has helped define the last decade, this rise in offensive football with a bevy of talented and explosive offenses. So this version of Clemson coming out of the game, yeah, they might be lacking on the offensive line compared to the past. Um, But I don't think that necessarily takes away from what looked like a national title caliber performance from Georgia's defense. Maybe their defense is just that good. And we'll go on to watch Clemson and go, hmm, that was kind of an aberration. Wow, Georgia's defense must really, really, really be good. Now, part of this could be me trying to speak into reality what I want, which is a return to that balance of high-level offense, high-level defense, and on any given day, one can beat the other. So, Defense ruling the day in 2021, that would be really, really, really meaningful to me when I have that vision of football within my head. So nothing would make me happier if Georgia is putting the clamps on everybody on their schedule, opponent after opponent, and they're holding each under 200 yards like they did against Clemson. And it sets up this clash of the Titans when they're going against these other high-level offenses. And I have legitimate questions going in over who is actually going to get the better of whom. Nothing would make me happier than that. Okay. However, before I get ahead of myself and start trying to wish into reality what I want, I remember that the Alabama Crimson Tide exist and that no team, no team in the nation understands better how football is played in present day more than that squad. I'm going to read something else from Bill Conley of ESPN. 
The 2020 season was defined by a single Nick Saban quote. It used to be if you had a good defense, other people weren't going to score. You were always going to be in the game. I'm telling you, it ain't that way anymore. The Georgia Bulldogs were his case in point. They ranked first in defensive SP+, and in their eight wins, they beat opponents by an average score of 34-14. to But in their two losses against elite Alabama and Florida offenses, they allowed 891 passing yards and 85 points. They could only score 52 points in return. You've got to have loads of raw offensive firepower. End quote. So if Nick Saban says something, you always need to listen in the world of football. And if Nick Saban shows you something, you got to follow suit if you want to try and keep up. So written into that quote is essentially to win in present day, you need to get offensive. You have to. You have to build up your offense. That is how the game is played and won in present day. So on this day, and and indeed over this weekend, when defense is kind of making this triumphant return compared to the COVID year, when Navy can't tackle, and then a lot of defenses follow suit over the course of the season, Labor Day weekend, that was not the case. It was very refreshing. But even on that day, when defense is kind of making that triumphant return, it was not lost on anybody. Most of all me, um, what Saban and Alabama were doing to the Miami Hurricanes in their opener few hours before Georgia and Clemson took the field. Score in that game, it's 44-13 Alabama. But if you watch the game, Alabama could have picked their score. They're up 41-3 midway through the third. If they want it to be 65-3, they could have easily done that. Again, it was such a stark contrast between two teams that are Going into the game ranked in the top 15, we know that doesn't necessarily mean a ton considering they haven't played a game, but I do expect Miami to be a very reasonable football team this year. And it was a very stark contrast watching those two teams play one another and see the discrepancy between the two. It looked like the Grand Canyon, right? This is the 14th ranked team playing the number one ranked team. Well, it looked like the first ranked team playing the 114th ranked team. Now, this kind of leads into some musings and thoughts on Alabama because college football is Alabama at this point in time, and it has been for the decade. They have kind of defined the sport. And they have come to define it through a sense of inevitability, which is still shocking in present day because the way that that inevitability is manifested has kind of changed over the course of this decade-plus run under Nick Saban when Alabama is winning six national titles in the playoff every single year and right at the top of the polls every single year. Decade ago, 2011, the inevitability was tied into defense. You remember those two games against LSU? Both Alabama and LSU loaded with NFL talent everywhere, offense, defense, special teams, you name it. It's just all NFL rosters. Play a regular season game, 9-6 9-6 to six overtime loss for Alabama and Tuscaloosa. All field goals, no touchdowns. Defensive slobber knocker. A lot like Georgia and Clemson played on Saturday night. Rematch in the national title game. Alabama wins 22-0. LSU can barely even cross midfield. There's one offensive touchdown scored with about four minutes to go in that game. The two games combined between these 
essentially NFL teams amount to one offensive touchdown. And that was the inevitability at the time when you watched Alabama play. It was watching them and going, I don't know any team that can get a first down against this team. I remember watching Justin Jefferson in that national title game and they couldn't get a first down. And it just felt like that is how every game is going to play out when Alabama takes the field. There was kind of this midpoint during that run, if you're tracing it into present day 10 years later. Uh, There's this famous press conference with Nick Saban and he asks kind of, is this how you want football to be played? This spread, offense, bombs away, and... Everybody, myself included, kind of chuckled at it and thought, well, this is just sour grapes from you because you've lost recently to Ole Miss and they're playing spread it out, run and gun, go, 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 go offense. And you lost recently to Johnny Manziel and Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin and they're running a similar style of spread and tempo and all-out offensive attack. And so what we thought was sour grapes at the time, in retrospect, seems more like a moment of reflection for Nick Saban. Again, when he speaks within the world of football, you probably should listen. When he shows you something, you follow suit. And this reflection point wasn't sour grapes of, we lost and we got beat by this style that we can't necessarily unlock. It was, do you want football to be played this way? Because if you do, we are going to take this version of football and we are going to strangle the life out of every team that comes in front of us. So it didn't happen for a couple years, but we know that that's what Saban leaned into. And so Lane Kiffin comes in to run the offense, person who you wouldn't have necessarily chosen to run that 2011 version of Alabama's attack, game manager, run it into the line over and over and over and just bow constrictor opponents. Lane Kiffin comes in and they start to open things up. And then Brian Dable comes in, who now is one of the best coordinators in the NFL game with Buffalo and is going to be a head coach in the NFL probably next season. And he's throwing it all over the yard. And Steve Sarkeesian comes in and he's doing the same kind of thing last year with Mac Jones and all that talent. And you start to see this transformation. Um, The inevitability remains the same in present day. I watch Alabama against Miami and I go, nope, you're not going to beat them. And, And in fact, I felt that way going in. That's why I handed out Alabama minus 19 and a half last week because season openers, under Nick Saban, they're just Alabama dunking on ranked teams. And the inevitability in present day, it's not tied into the defensive side of the ball like it was in 2011. Instead, I watch and I go, there is no team that can stop this team from getting a first down or, or indeed a touchdown on the offensive side. You know, we've undergone this entire switch. The inevitability in 2011, it was all tied into the defense. In present day, it's all about the offense. So Saturday, Bryce Young steps in for the departed Mac Jones. And I'm intrigued to watch him play. He's the number one ranked quarterback recruit in his class. He's supposed to be awesome. We haven't got any glimpses of him because he hasn't played college football yet. And he steps in and he picks right up where that record-breaking offense left off last year. He looks every bit as comfortable as Mac Jones. He's throwing 38 passes completing 27 of them, 344 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Again, this finely tuned, well-oiled, humming Alabama offense against a team that I'm pretty sure, and I think a lot of people agree, has a good defense. I think by season's end, we'll look at Miami and go, that's a good football team in general, but 
that's a good defensive football team. Which makes me harken back to that Nick Saban quote. It ain't that way anymore. You know, you can't expect to put a defense on the field against the highest of high-level offenses with the way that Alabama has recruited, with the way they are coached, and just the sheer volume of talent that they can push out onto the field and expect your defense to be able to hold up against that onslaught. It doesn't necessarily seem very realistic to me. So it seems like this transition, this transformation, whatever you want to call it, it's now truly occurred. Used to be that Alabama has the best defense in the nation every single year, regardless of how much talent goes to the NFL. We just knew that. 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, go on down the list. You just knew that every single year Alabama would have the best defense. And the next year they'd throw five people into the top 100 picks of the draft. Then there'd be a bunch of names that you didn't recognize and then they would do the exact same thing. And now it's all about the offense. And Alabama has morphed into an endlessly reloading machine on that side of the ball, much like they used to have with the defense. Now that's, I should make a quick note. Part of what makes Alabama so great and so inevitable is their defense hasn't gone anywhere. Um, Statistically, they will give up more yards and more points in present day compared to then because their offense plays a quicker pace and they just force their defense back out on the field a lot quicker than they used to when they were pounding Mark Ingram or Derrick Henry over and over and over. There's a lot more possessions within an Alabama game now. So you see more points and more yards put against that defense. But when you compare them across the nation, their defense is still always one of the best in the nation. When you pair that with this endlessly reloading offense that is just stockpiled with the best coaches and first round NFL draft choices, Every single year, that feeling of inevitability, it still remains. So even on this night, by the time that it's over, um, this last Saturday, even on a night when Georgia's defense is stimulating truly the most perverse parts of my football soul, Alabama is still there lurking. And every college football season, it runs through that team. And according to Saban's words and his actions, Alabama in its present form is powered by offense. It is the beating heart of how Alabama wants to play. Remember, five years or so ago, is this how you want football played? Well, here we are. This is how football is played, and Alabama has perfected it. So as impressive as Georgia's defense looked, and they were so, so, so awesome against Clemson. Their season is still going to boil down to one thing, something that I talked about last week on the college football show. It is, can JT Daniels and that Georgia offense go toe-to-toe against the very best? When the very best is spoken, that's Alabama. Against Clemson, JT Daniels, very conservative game plan. He goes 22 for 30 for 135 yards, no touchdowns, one pick. Not what is going to cut it against that Alabama offense. Georgia, they finish with 256 total yards. Not going to cut it against that Alabama offense. Now, in defense of Georgia, you play each individual game to win, obviously. And sometimes the way that a game is played, you get a feeling for while it is happening. 
And I think Georgia very quickly realized our defense can win this game. Our offense is going to stay conservative and not make mistakes. And we can strangle the life out of Clemson and move on with a top five win on our resume. And pretty much if we went out in the regular season, ensure ourselves of a playoff berth, even if we lose to Alabama in the SEC title game. I think Georgia realized that. And that's the way the game was called by Todd Munkin. However, when you're comparing Georgia to the golden standard of this sport and the team that they are going to have to go through, you realize if that style of offense comes and tries to play against Alabama, and yes, I'm already looking forward to that SEC title game. Let's just pen both these teams in and get it over with right now because it's going to be awesome. Look out Uh, because that is going to be annihilation. Because in the world of college football in present day, in 2021, the words of Saban, they are always going to be gospel. It used to be if you had a good defense, other people weren't going to score. You were always going to be in the game. I'm telling you, it ain't that way anymore. (laughs) 